Book 13. The Change. Chapter 1. My name is Tobias. The other Animorphs can't tell you very much about themselves, but I can. See, I don't have an address. I can't be found. I live in an area of forest by a meadow. That's my territory. My territory includes the meadow, which is maybe a hundred yards across in one direction, and half that in the other direction. My territory also includes the trees around the meadow, and the woods heading north for about another hundred yards. Of course, my territory is also the territory of other animals. Owls, jays, foxes, raccoons, on down to ants and spiders. But no red-tailed hawks. Except me. My name is Tobias, and I am a human. Partly. Most of my mind is human. At least, I think it is. I mean, I remember human things. I can read and use language. Most of my close friends are human. And I was born a human, in a human body with arms and legs and hair and a mouth. Now, though, I have wings and talons and feathers. And instead of a mouth, I have a hooked beak. I can make sounds with my beak, but nothing that sounds human. To speak with regular humans, I use thought-speak. But there were no people nearby right then, in the early morning, as I waited patiently in the branch of a dying elm tree. I kept my eyes focused sharply on the meadow. I knew the pathways and homes of the mice and rats and rabbits who lived there. And I knew what it meant when the tall, dry grass twitched just the smallest bit. With my hawk's eyes, I could see what no human could hope to see. I could see the individual stalks of grass barely tremble as a mouse brushed between them. And with my hawk's ears, I heard the faint sound of mouse teeth chewing on a seed. The mouse was 70 or 80 feet away, an easy target. I opened my wings slowly, not wanting to make a sound. I released the grip of my talons on the branch and fell forward. My wings caught the cushion of air, and I swooped, almost silent, toward my prey. The grass twitched. Through the grass, I saw a flash of brown. The mouse was running. Too slowly. I raked my talons forward. I swept my wings forward to cancel my speed, dropped one wing to turn, and fell the last foot like a rock. It was all over, very quickly. But this time, as I dragged the mouse away to a safer spot, I stumbled on a faded magazine someone had thrown away. The wind whipped the pages by, one at a time. Advertisements. Graphs. Pictures of the president with some foreign leader. And then, one page stayed open. A photograph of a classroom. Kids my age. Some of the kids were goofing off in the back of the class. Some looked bored. Most looked more or less interested, and three were practically leaping from their seats, waving their hands for the teacher. All that, frozen in a photograph. A classroom like any classroom. Like the classrooms I used to attend. I would have been one of the kids paying attention, but too shy to volunteer. I was never very bold or aggressive. I was a bully magnet, to tell you the truth. The kid most likely to get pounded. The kid from the home so screwed up, I ended up being shuttled back and forth between aunts and uncles who didn't even remember my name half the time. But that wasn't me anymore.
Chapter 2 This is my life now. I accept it. And there are some very nice things about being a bird. Some very nice things. Well fed and full of energy, I flapped across the meadow, gaining altitude the hard way, with sheer muscle power. I swept above the trees and fought my way higher still. Out beyond my own territory. Higher and higher. And then I felt the air billowing up beneath me. A beautiful thermal. A pillar of warm air that rose up from the ground as it was heated by the sun. I swept into that warm air and it lifted me up like an elevator. I turned and turned within that warm current, twisting higher and higher till I was nothing but a speck to the tiny humans on the ground. Up and up till the only sound was the wind ruffling across my feathers. I caught a glimpse back down behind me, a glimpse of a strange creature that looked like a blue deer at first, until you saw the head with its extra stalk eyes mounted on top, and the slashing scorpion tail. Aximili Escorth Isthil, the only Andalite alive on Earth, my friend. Or as much of a friend as you can be when one of you is a bird boy and the other is an alien. Axeman, I called down. He kept running. That's how he eats. He runs across grass and leaves, and the crushed vegetation is absorbed up through his hooves. Tobias! Out hunting? Nope, I had breakfast. See you later. I flapped and glided and soared till I was over houses. They were just little squares of gray and orange and brown roofs. Tiny swimming pools glittered in unnatural blue. I saw trimmed green lawns and parked rectangles of cars and roads with dotted white lines down the middle. I flew on, across the homes, across the roads, to the school. Maybe it was because of the picture in the magazine. Maybe that's why I wanted to go there. It was late morning now. The light was sharp and clean. I could see through the windows of the classrooms. There was Jake, unofficial leader of the Animorphs looking like any normal guy. He was lounging at his desk, feet stuck out in front. He was sleepy and trying to keep his eyes open. More than any other person alive, Jake held the future of the human race in his hands. Strange to think, huh? That some big sleepy kid in sneakers and a jacket was the leader of the only resistance to the Yurk invasion of Earth? As I watched, he nodded twice and slumped. The girl sitting behind him leaned forward and gave him a gentle poke in the shoulder. That was Cassie, another member of our little group. Cassie has never met an animal she didn't like, and she's never met a fashion she cared about. She's small, compact, but strong-looking. Not like she's muscular, more like she's part of something bigger than herself, like she's some living extension of the Earth. Anyway, that's how I see her like some gentle soldier in the service of nature itself. Corny, isn't it? Sorry, but I have a lot of time to think, and I guess that makes me get too serious sometimes. I swept by, high above, and turned the corner. In another classroom, I spotted Marco. He was talking. This was not a surprise. The class began to laugh. The teacher laughed too, then looked exasperated like she didn't want to laugh. This was also not a surprise. That's Marco. The boy loves to be the center of attention. 
It took a while before I spotted the last human member of the Animorphs. She wasn't in her usual classroom. In fact, I spotted her first in just a brief glimpse, walking down the hall. Then she stepped outside, out into the empty quad that separated the main building from the gym and the temporary buildings. She stepped out into the sunlight, and her blonde hair became a flame of pure gold. Rachel. Have you ever known a person who seems to walk through life with her own personal spotlight shining on her? That's Rachel. Hi, I said in thought speak. What are you doing? Skipping school? She couldn't answer. See, you can only do thought speak when you're in a morph, or if you happen to be an Andalite, although you can hear it just fine. Rachel stopped walking and shielded her eyes with her hand, scanning the sky for me. Then she gave me just the smallest wave, just a twinkling of two fingers. She jerked her head toward the gym. That's where she was going. She opened her binder and revealed a piece of yellow notebook paper clipped inside. Ah, so she was delivering a note for some teacher. But Rachel must have forgotten that I can see things no human could ever see. Beneath the note was a fancy-looking sheet of stationery. It was a letter addressed to Rachel. It read, Congratulations! You have been named a Packard Foundation Outstanding Student. I was about to add my own congratulations when I noticed the date. There was to be an award ceremony Monday. This was Friday. It was the kind of thing Rachel would have invited everyone to. Everyone but me. I can't exactly go to things like award ceremonies. Rachel hadn't even told me about it. And I knew why. Hey, I have something to show you after school. I said, trying to sound perky. My Yurk pool mapping project is paying off. Want to go for a fly after last period? I saw her smile. She nodded her head again, just a slight movement no one else would notice. Cool, I said. I soared away, and she walked on to the gym. There are definitely some nice things about being a hawk, and flying with Rachel is probably the nicest. But it would have been nice to see her get the Packard Award, too. Sometimes, I ask myself if I had to do it all over again. If I could never become Tobias the Hawk, and only be Tobias the Boy, would I actually do it? I didn't think about that often, though. Maybe I didn't want to find out the answer. Chapter 3 I spent the day drifting around on the breeze and checking everything I had learned in the last couple of weeks. See, we knew the Yorkpool was a gigantic underground complex beneath the school. We knew it extended at least as far as the mall, but we had never figured out where all the entrances and exits were. That's what I'd been doing with my days, following people we knew were controllers, watching them come and go. From them, I learned the extent of the Yorkpool. Maybe I should back up and explain. I know you're probably someone living a nice, normal life. You go to school hang out with your friends, have dinner with your family, watch a little TV. Normal. And if I told you that maybe your teachers aren't really your teachers anymore, and maybe your friends aren't your friends at all, and maybe even your parents have become something totally different, well, you might think I was nuts. I understand. You wouldn't believe how often I have these dreams that maybe none of it is real. 
that there is no York invasion, that York slugs are not inside the heads of so many people, that maybe I have my own hands and toes. It all started when Jake, Cassie, Markle, Rachel, and I took a different way home from the mall. In a dark, eerie, abandoned construction site, we saw the spaceship land, and we met the strange, part deer, part scorpion, part humanoid creature called an Andalite. His name was Alfangor. Much later, we found out he was Axe's big brother. He told us about the Yurks, the race of parasitic slugs. The Yurks who, like some awful galactic disease, are spreading secretly from planet to planet. They steal bodies. They make other creatures into controllers. Absolute slaves. The entire hork race has been enslaved, as well as the incredibly gross taxons, although they went along voluntarily. They've gotten the Geds and other races too. And now, it's our turn. They are here. The Yurks are among us. Inside the people you least suspect. Cops. Teachers. Friends. Parents. Reporters. Pastors and priests. Your own brothers and sisters. The Andalite Prince Alfangor warned us, and he gave us the weapon, the power to morph, to become any animal we could touch and acquire. There was just one big drawback, see? You can't stay in a morph for more than two hours. After that, you stay in morph forever. That's what happened to me. The Yurks also have a weakness. Every three days, they have to return to the Yurk pool. They drain out of the heads of their host bodies and swim in the sludgy liquid of the pool. There, they soak up the chondrona rays that they must have for nutrition. We've been in the Yurk pool. It's not a place you want to see. Trust me. The screams that we'd heard in that place will be with me forever. The Yurk pool was where I lost my humanity. Where I passed the fateful two-hour time limit. Someday, somehow, we will destroy that place. But first, we have to understand it better. That's what I was doing. That's why I spent my days trying to discover every possible way in and out of it. I was in the air over the mall at just about 2.30 in the afternoon when I spotted the big bald eagle floating, serene and powerful, on the thermals. The brown body stood out against the clouds, while the white head seemed almost invisible. It was an odd place for a baldy. They usually liked the shore. I flapped hard to change direction and gain speed toward the eagle. I knew this eagle. Is that you, Rachel? I asked. Sure. Who else would it be? Is this great flying weather or what? It's perfect. You up for a little cruise? Of course. What's up? Well, while you and the others have been off saving the world, I've been busy too. I shot by, just beneath Rachel's big eagle wings, and swung out past her, then turned and moved in front of her. I was showing off. I'm more agile in the air than a bald eagle is, although a baldy is quite a bit bigger than me, kind of like comparing a turkey to a chicken. Rachel made a sighing sound in my head. Tobias, just because you can't come along on every single mission doesn't mean you need to do extra work. Yeah, well, whatever, I said. The point is, I've been watching known controllers from the air. 
I started with Chapman and his wife, and the reporter and the policeman we know about. And Tom, of course. Chapman is our assistant principal. He's a very big deal controller. Tom is Jake's brother. He's a controller too. I followed them and watched them, and now I found four separate ways into the Yerk Pool, besides the one we know that goes through the mall. Cool. When we know where the Yerk Pool entrance is, we can start figuring out who more of the controllers are. Rachel sounded impressed, even though all I'd done was fly around and keep my eyes open. I have a lot of free time, I said. I knew I shouldn't say what I was about to say next, but it was out before I could stop myself. So, congratulations, I guess, huh? Packard Foundation Outstanding Student. Rachel was silent for a few seconds. Did someone tell you? Oh, no, of course not. You saw the letter in my notebook. Just call me old Hawkeye, I said lightly. Tobias, you know how much I wish you could come. I mean, Cassie will be there, and she's great. But you know Marco will just be making snide remarks, and Jake will be trying not to laugh. No big deal, I said. The only thing is, don't hide stuff from me because you think it will hurt my feelings, okay? I can't handle you feeling sorry for me. I don't feel sorry for you, Rachel lied. Good, because, you know, how you think about me is sort of important. I winced. I sounded way too sincere. I mean, what was I thinking? Rachel's a human. A real human. I'm a hawk. You think Romeo and Juliet were doomed just from being from families that didn't like each other? Well, you can't get any more doomed than caring for someone who isn't even the same species. Anyway, congratulations, I said as breezily as I could. Now, follow me, and I'll give you a little tour of the York Pool entrances. On a day like this, I'd follow you anywhere, Rachel said. Hello, Phantomorphs, and welcome back to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, I am your host, Daniel. And we've done it. We've uh, entered a new book. Tobias, whose raspy voice is really playing murder on my throat, but uh, I'll get used to it. I usually, or I did last time at least. We've only had one other Tobias book. Uh, sorry if there's like a lot of weird background noise in this part. It's like freaking 80 degrees in my room right now. And uh, these two fans are the only thing keeping me and my computer from melting. So those aren't going off while I record this. Uh, before I forget, uh, if you have song suggestions that you think would, you know, fit well with the general vibe of Animorphs, I guess... Uh, please send those to me at uh, audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or uh, via my website, theapocalypse.com because I got a bunch last time I asked for them and now I'm almost out and I've been forgetting to ask for them again. So please, if you have some songs, send them my way. I would appreciate that. I also have a message 
uh, from Tumblr, an anonymous user says, I keep forgetting to drop you a line, but the quality of your episodes has been really improving lately. It sounds like you feel a lot more comfortable in the voices and it makes the story flow really well. Keep up the good work. And then a little like happy face emoji. So uh, thank you, anonymous person. I appreciate that. I am getting like uh, more, at least with the, the five main voices, I think I'm getting a little bit more consistent. The Rachel one's still a little tricky for me because that's basically me whispering and that's like not really a voice. But the other, the other four I feel pretty good about. Um, now I just have to figure out all these extra characters and the Australian they meet eventually. But that's for another time. I've rambled on long enough. I mentioned my website earlier, theapocalypse.com. Please go check that out uh, if you'd like to see the other stuff I do. And uh, if you use iTunes or I guess the new Apple podcast is their thing now whatever they're doing you know leave me a rating review i'd appreciate that also okay i'm i'm out of here i'm gonna go sweat some more have a nice week my name is daniel and i believe one day the andalites will come until then we fight